Puggies and welcome to the Pug Life Show, brought to you by Pug Parties because your pug deserves to be the best dressed at the party and you can check out their outfits at pugparties.com. I'm your host Donna and with me are my puggy co-hosts Rosie and Kenji. Plus, we have an extra special guest sleeping in the office with us as I'm recording this episode, Roxy the Rescue Puggy, who we're currently fostering until she's ready to find her forever family. We're dedicating this episode to Roxy and to other rescue puggies and their foster carers out there doing a very important job, caring for puggies who have been rescued or surrendered so they can be rehabilitated and one day find their forever loving home and family. I'm going to talk about my journey so far as a newly minted foster carer, about the rescue puggies we've fostered so far And I'll also share with you some of the lessons I've learned today, just in case, like me, you always wanted to be a foster, you always wanted to foster rescue puggies, but we're never sure if you had what it took to be one. But before we dive in, I just want to remind you to subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes so you get advance notice of our next episode and much, much more. Now, as you may have noticed in our private Facebook group, Live in the Pug Life, I started fostering rescue puggies late last year with Kenji being our first foster rescue puggy and subsequently our first foster fail when we adopted him to keep Rosie company after losing Charles to dementia. Since then, we've fostered three more puggies with the latest foster, little Roxy, still with us learning how to live a new pug life with the hope that she'll be adopted soon to the fur family of her dreams. You may be able to hear her not-so-soft snoring in the background throughout the podcast, which kind of makes me wonder what else I do that puts her to sleep. Now, most of my friends and family know why I have pugs and now why I also foster rescue puggies, but people who don't know me, they do ask, why do you do it and what's it like? Now, I understand the questions and curiosity. I too, many years ago, assumed that pugs would go to the RSPCA and sit in a cage like the ads of old until somebody walked along and saw them and pointed to them and said, that's the one for me, and then they get adopted. I now know that there are a lot of pug-specific rescues around Australia and the world who rehabilitate and foster pugs that are surrendered so that they can be rehomed to the right family and that pug-specific rescues value in-home foster care because pugs thrive in a human environment. So being fostered in a home is actually the best medicine a pug could have whilst they're rehabilitating and learning how to live in a loving and supporting environment. In answer to the first part of the question, why do it? Well, I've mentioned before that a long time dream slash goal of mine has been to foster rescue puggies so that they find their forever loving family when they're ready. And although it has been an eye-opening experience for us so far, I am really glad that we're doing it. Now, I wasn't sure if I'd ever be able to be a foster carer whilst I also worked full-time, and I also wasn't sure if I was made of the right stuff. Being a loving and caring pug mum to my own puggies is one thing. Being a loving and caring foster pug mum to puggies who have been abused or neglected or both is a whole different thing altogether. 
I worried that I wouldn't be able to be there for them enough in the early days of arriving in our home. I worried that they wouldn't get along with Charles or Rosie or Kenji. I worried that something would happen to them and I wouldn't know what to do because I'd never come across it with any of my pugs previously. And I worried that I might not like them and that they would know it being such intuitive animals, which was just a a horrible thing if that ever happened. I also wondered if I was cut out to care for more than two pugs at a time full time. I've pug sat over the years where there has been up to four pugs in the house and as much as I have loved our little puggy sleepovers for a few days or a few weeks, I'm not ashamed to say that I also love it when life gets back to normal after they've gone home to their loving parents. What I can say is that Rosie and Kenji have been poorsome foster siblings to our foster puggies and that most of my worries were just that, worries. I won't lie, we have had some fights between Rosie or Kenji and one of our foster puggies and I have been bitten trying to pull them apart, but this is normal dog behaviour and kind of comes with the territory. I did wonder how Kenji would go with our new fosters, noting his aversion to change and other than the odd fight, he has gotten better with each new puggy who has come and gone. We've watched him carefully to see if he was having a, if it was having sort of a serious impact on his mental health. And thankfully, the house and yard are actually big enough for him, Rosie, and another puggy. So worst case scenario, they just go into the opposite corners of the um, of the rumble room. I do give him lots of cuddles and attention to let him know that he's still our boy. But he also knows that he has to be a good foster brother to whoever comes through the door. Interestingly, Rosie has always been ambivalent by it all. She just takes it in a stride and I think it comes from her being the alpha or princess pug, as we like to say. She doesn't necessarily go out of her way to do anything with the new foster, but she does accept them into the house. She lets them sleep on her bed, inverted commas, her bed, uh, and next to her on the couch. She has shown one of our fosters some snout when they've overstepped, but she also does that with visiting puggies and puggies at playgroups. So she is very self-assured in her position as Princess Pug. Now, in answer to the second question, what's it like? I'd say pawsome now, but in the beginning, a little unnerving. With Kenji, we weren't sure how attached we should get with him. So in some ways, we kind of struggled at first. We wanted him to feel welcome and loved, but we also didn't want to get too attached because he was up for adoption and we thought he was the most handsome little puggy bear, which is my nickname for him since his face kind of reminds me of a teddy bear. Um, And we thought without a doubt that he would be adopted quickly and then we'd have to say goodbye and it would break our hearts. Plus, Rosie really loved Kenji and that did concern us as well because we didn't know how she would take Kenji leaving and never coming back. Thankfully, as it is, the universe said that Kenji was to stay and so we allowed ourselves to stop worrying about the little things and figured that we should just enjoy whichever puggy is with us at the time whilst they're with us. Then after Kenji, we had an adorable little girl called Jemima or Jemumu for a couple of months and we allowed ourselves to fall in love with her even though we knew eventually she would be leaving. 
I think accepting that foster puggies will come and go and we will be sad to see them go but happy to know that they're going to a loving family kind of makes the transition easier. Unfortunately, Jemima passed away um, before she could be adopted, but I was there with her in the end. And although it was heartbreaking being there, I was glad that the last face she saw was the face of someone who she knew loved her and all of her little quirks. Jamumu's ashes are in our puggy ashes box with all of our other puggies who've gone before her because we felt that she was a member of our fur family, even if it was for a short period of time, and we wanted her resting place to be with us. Now, after Jemima, little Maya arrived for a short stay due to the sudden influx of surrenders at Pug Rescue and a need to make space for them. Maya is such a little sweetie, and she was only with us until her Boaz surgery or the puggy nose job, but she could have easily have been another foster fail if it wasn't for the fact that our council doesn't allow us to have more than two dogs in a home, and we really want to keep fostering when we can. The upside is, is I mean, Maya integrated into the household routine quickly, and after a week, it felt like she'd always been around. Wonderfully, she has gotten through her surgery and rehab at Pug Rescue Central with flying colours, which we didn't doubt, to be honest, and she's now looking for her forever home. We still follow her progress on Instagram and can't wait to see the photo of her going home with her new fur family. And yes, I will have a little bit of a cry for her and hopefully her fur family will create an Insta page for her so we can keep in touch. Now we have Roxy, the little spunk rat. Oh, my God. Um, I have to admit, by the time Roxy arrived, we'd gotten into the groove and her transition into the house has probably been the best so far. Pugs respond well to boundaries and love. So although Roxy has some issues with anxiety and snatching food out of your hand, teeth first, uh, she has adapted um, to our home and us really well. We're currently working on her manners. And I can say that I'm lucky to still have fingers after some of our training sessions. (laughs) And we're assessing if she needs medication to help with her anxiety. Now, it's a tough call determining if medication is the right route. And I'm glad that I'm one of many doing that assessment. I just keep reminding myself that it's about Roxy and not about my personal opinions about medication. Roxy deserves to live her best life and if that means a daily dose of something to help calm her anxiety, then that's what she should have. We're still working through the assessment phase, including introducing her to new adventures slowly and carefully and so far she's responding well. She even went to a pug buck day party last weekend and she did really well. We don't push her in these situations, so she trusts us to look out for her. So it means that at some point in time, her forever family will probably have to fulfil some specific requirements just so that they can continue to manage her anxiety. And they'll possibly have to provide her with a higher level of patience and tolerance than you usually would with a pug when they're sort of first coming into your home. Either way, Having Roxy has taught me a lot about myself as a pug parent and has also given me a unique insight into what it must have been like for Kenji before he went on medication. 
And actually, I can say that about every one of our foster puggies we've had so far. They have taught me something about myself as a person and as a pug parent. And because of that, we keep saying yes to caring for another after we've farewelled our last. Now, I've only been a foster carer for about nine months, and I really wish that I had volunteered earlier, but we make decisions based on the information we have at the time, and I was obviously not meant to start fostering until it was Kenji's turn. So it worked out all right in the end, in my opinion. I know Now I think I know what you're probably thinking, and that's what does it take to be a foster carer? So I'm going to give... Um, some advice based on my experiences so far, just in case you're thinking about volunteering as a rescue pug foster carer at some point in time, whether that's now or into the future. I can't speak for any pug rescue organisation on what their criteria for being a foster carer is, but I can offer the following advice based on my experience to date. The first thing I'd say is know your limits. Now, all of my pugs over the years have tested my patience to the extreme and back again. And I've had to learn to recognize the difference between naughtiness, lack of understanding, or just plain fear to then make a judgment call on what to do next with a clear head. Rescue puggies generally have been abused, neglected. They've lived in a home where the rules changed constantly or there were no rules at all and you need to have the patience to figure out where their behavior is originated from to then determine what guidance or training they need. No matter the training needed, it takes tolerance and patience to get them to a point where they display basic manners and obedience and are ready for their forever loving family and that's one of the gifts that you can give them in the long run. The next thing I'd say is know your pugs. So if you already have pugs in your house, um, are they going to be the kind of pugs to be okay with having visitors coming and going, sleeping in their bed, getting cuddles from their humans and eating a meal with them? Initially with Charles and his dementia, we weren't sure if Kenji coming to stay would work. So we sort of had a plan in place, which thankfully we didn't need to enact. However, when it was Kenji's turn to play foster brother, um, we did think about it again. Kenji had been living with us for about six months and he was finally sort of settling in and really beginning to believe that he was in his forever home. Uh, And we weren't sure how he would go with a big change like another pug who was only there for a short time. It did take Kenji a couple of puggies to get the hang of it, but with lots of love and cuddles to make sure he knew that he was our puggy bear forever, he has been really good towards Roxy and I think he'll continue to improve with every new puggy that comes through the door. The next thing I would say is is know the breed in general as best you can. So I've had four pugs prior to Kenji, Three of them were rescues with mixed backgrounds and I attend pug play group as often as I can so I'm exposed to other people's pugs and I also read books and blogs about pugs. Now all of this wasn't with fostering in mind but because I wanted to know my pugs and the breed better so that I could be a better pug mum. Luckily it has helped me prepare myself to foster rescue puggies. 
So knowing the breed in general helps you to pick up on things in a foster puggy that you may not have seen in your own puggies and then be able to react accordingly, whatever that that is. The next thing I would suggest is if you haven't done it before, pug sit other puggies to see if you like the disruption. The first couple of weeks with a new rescue puggy can be chaotic. They don't know you or your puggies. They don't know the rules and they're scared, which means you need to be patient, tolerant and loving, even when they're chewing something they're not meant to be or fighting with your pugs. Puggy sitting gives you a taste of what it'll be like to have a rescue puggy in your house for a couple of weeks or even months so you can then make a more informed decision. The next thing I would suggest is no basic obedience commands and how to train them in a new pug. Now, generally, rescue puggies would have started their training with the rescue team that picked them up from their last home and you will need to continue to reinforce that training. Not only does it help the rescue puggy to learn who is in control, it also helps them start to understand the rules slash boundaries in your home and that will probably also be in their forever home. A rescue puggy will pick up things from your puggies inherently, like using the doggy door, uh, but if they've never sat for food or don't know that snatching food from your hand is not allowed, then you will need to educate them. I typically teach sit, stay and free. Most puggies, no matter how old, will learn these commands quite easily and I use voice as well as hand signals to train them. So should they be slightly deaf or more than likely have selective hearing, they know what I mean. No food until they sit and stay patiently, for instance. The next thing is, as I would say, be prepared for the time investment over the first few weeks of their arrival. I still work full time um, and some of those days are in an office away from home. So we try to time the arrival of a new foster for the weekend. So they at least have a day or two with everyone home before we individually head into the office on whatever days of the week it is. I find that the first two weeks are probably the biggest commitment to the new arrival as they need a little bit of extra time to learn the rules and understand what is allowed and what isn't. Luckily, we are consistent with Rosie and Kenji, so they show the new puggy how to do it and they also keep the new puggy company as well when no one is home. The other thing I would consider is investing in some additional items for the home. Now, having said that, usually the rescue organisation will give you everything you need for your rescue puggy. But I have extra slow eater bowls, lick mats, toys and calming beds. Plus, I have a puggy buggy and I have ramps for puggies with arthritis or like Kenji who's got a bad back. Every puggy we've had so far has liked different types of toys, likes to be cuddled differently, has a different snoozing or sleeping location in the house. So we try to have sort of as broad a selection as possible without going over top. We want our little visitor to feel at home as quickly as possible. And if a calming bed in my home office in the corner is their safe space until they get used to being with us, then that's what we'll do for them. The last thing I would say is is be prepared to hear some horrible or heartbreaking stories 
and then adjust your approach to that rescue puggy accordingly. I mean, it's tough hearing them. Um, And although we have some fairly strict boundaries in our home for everyone's peace of mind, sometimes that just doesn't work for the rescue puggy because of their backstory. So the last thing you want to do is traumatise them further by making them adhere to a rule that was brutally enforced in their last home. Takes a bit of adjustment, test and adjustment, I suppose, for a bit of poil. So luckily, the rescue puggies we've fostered so far don't fall into that category. However, Lewis, my first pug, did, and we just had to make sure that we were mindful of that when training and enforcing rules and just come up with a couple of different ways of doing it so that he still learned what he needed to learn, but he learned it feeling safe and loved. Now, the one thing that I can say about being a foster carer to a rescue puggy is that I have enjoyed it a lot so far, um, and I definitely love their cuddles. But I am very much new to it, and I expect that long-term foster carers will have even more to say about this important job that I've only just started. I also wouldn't be surprised that even the most battle-hardened foster carer has needed to take a break from it every now and again to recover from the tough case that they've needed time to grieve. Having said that, if you are thinking about volunteering your time and home to help out a foster puggy, then I cannot recommend it enough. And most rescue organisations have a page on their website where you can research the job and apply if it interests you. There are, unfortunately, plenty of rescue puggies who need a loving home, so every bit of help helps. If you're not interested or don't think you could say goodbye when the time comes for a rescue puggy to go to their forever home, then you can still make a difference in a rescue puggy's life and you can do that by donating goods or money to any pug rescue organisation. Now, I'd love to hear from you about your rescue puggies or if you're a foster carer, I'd love for you to share your experience with our audience as well. The most informed our puggy community is about rescue puggies and the impact a foster carer has in a rescue puggy's life helps us better understand what rescue organisations do on a daily basis. Now, we'd love for you to share your photos, videos, and stories like only a pug parent would share over in our Facebook group, Live in the Pug Life, because that's where crazy pug parents hang out. And if you liked the episode or you think it'll be useful for someone else, please leave a review with your favorite podcast host so more pug parents can find us and join in the fun. Thank you so much for joining us today, puggies. And until next time, Have a pawsome week and humans be generous with the snackies.